Gosh, this is so awesome, man. I never in a million years thought something like this would happen. Out of turn number four come the most powerful weight models on the planet, the world of outlaws. I call Scott my dad, and uh, <laughs> nothing like the best in the business, breathing down your throat, your first outlaw win. Ah, yes. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 10 of Stick Signals. Mick, Mike, we did it. Episode 10, double digits, baby. And today we are back with another good dynamite episode of Stick Signals. Hi, everyone. My name is Ruben Morales. Thanks for tuning on in alongside, well, not alongside me, of course, 2,000 miles away, is my good friend. Uh, Mick, how are you doing, my friend? We are recharged. It's race week. (laughs) Recharged. Yes, it's race week. Unfortunately... So I get to go watch sprint cars this weekend, but not the late models. That's right. You will be at the Bristol Throwdown. Mike Warren, my friend, how are you? Uh, also recharged. Very, very happy. A lot further than 2,000 miles away from you, though, I have a feeling. the. Uh, but hey, it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm ready to go. Is, yeah. it, is it Thursday yet? Yeah, I know. Is it Thursday yet? I know. I really want to get to uh, to Kentucky already because, guys, uh, Kentucky, obviously known for good bourbon. But, hey, it's going to be known for some good World of Outlaw racing here this weekend as we get set to go. As I mentioned, we're recharged, ready to go off weekend. Guys, we are ready for another three weekend stretch of racing in three, di- uh, four different states, I should say, this weekend. Uh, a big weekend. Uh, Mike, you, you put it out there in your press release. Actually, very interesting. Obviously, you go back to March. We were supposed to go from Duck River to Smoky Mountain. Well, that didn't happen. Duck River got canceled. First weekend, we go to a different track overnight. It's it's going to be interesting to see that. That's the first time I also obviously can say I can do that. So this is really when we get into the grind of the travel and how how we see that. But that being said, it's multi-states. People's Ohio is not that far in Brush Creek Motorsports Complex from Richmond Raceway. And it's in the same time zone. So it's not. Exactly. Same time zone as well. that, That helps. Yeah, it does help. So teams obviously had an off weekend to prepare. A lot of teams getting ready. A lot of our guys really not uh, doing much racing over this uh, this off weekend. Some of them did, but not much. Uh, obviously, uh, Richmond this Friday. It's the uh, first ever visit to Richmond. And a very interesting. Obviously, the promoter is super pumped to have the World of Outlaws Morton Buildings Late Model Series there. He's done a lot of great things. He's super excited to get it on the map on Dirt Vision. 10000 to win there for the first visit. And then Saturday night, we get set to go to the Brush Creek Motorsports Conference complex for the third visit first visit was 2005 the mac daddy dale mcdowell picked up the win 2006 steve francis picked up the win who gets it in 2021 uh we were just talking about this guys right now before we went uh recording stick signals obviously this weekend uh the outlaws are back i think we have a chance to see some new up-and-comers in the podium and up front here this weekend that is definitely the case and really, though, the, the experience, yes, it's it's Brush Creek. We've been there. This would be the third time. However, it's a much different track. This is a three-tenths mile configuration. I believe this is the first time that the series has run on this. But you do got to look back and look at the top three in that 2006 race. You mentioned Steve Francis won. Do you know who finished second and third in that race, Ruben? I do not. Daryl Lanigan and Shane Clanton. Ooh, and they, they're coming off a good weekend as well. That's right. And they're also two guys that have wins in the state of Kentucky in history in World of Outlaws. Now, Rick Eckert also has two in the state of Kentucky. We could see him this weekend. We're not not sure of that yet, but there are guys with a little bit of history there. And so these guys know how to get it done. Granted, when you've never seen a track before, throw all the notes out. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, and having sister state Indiana uh, next to Ohio, I really feel since it's a special night, guys, we're celebrating the life of Jackie Boggs at Brush Creek Motorsports Complex Saturday night. Um, obviously, Jackie Boggs, uh, driver of the number four B. Uh, we all know the news, what happened there, our thoughts and prayers to his family. But Jackie, when I first met him, he was such a good guy. I met him in Brownstown, Indiana, the Dirt Car Summer Nationals in 2018. And uh, he was a great guy. Obviously, a lot of love, a lot of support. I feel like we're going to get a lot of cars here uh, in, in that Ohio, that Ohio night, I think it's going to be big. And, uh, I think the outlaws are going to get a run for their money. Cause I feel like we're going to see a lot of those Indiana boys come celebrate Jackie Fox's life with us. Other news and notes real quick that we have coming up. Obviously we talk about the points battle, uh, very tight. We talked about that in the last episode. Not much to touch on there. Uh, Mike, Mick, you guys got any news and notes? Really don't. Um, it's, it's an off week. There's not a lot to talk to, which, you know, some good racing coming up and we're really starting to get into the body of the the season like Mike said so that's going to be fun and like you said three weeks coming up we got a big you know the, the first two track swing this weekend first two state swing in the season which is the case for a while I believe until we get out into the the big stretch when we're up in the uh Wisconsin Minnesota area for a while and then we uh you know you look next week we're in Iowa Hawkeye 100 it's going to be unprecedented for that event because uh if you've seen the Indy 500, you know why it's going to be very interesting coming down to the green flag. <laughs> I, I just 
dawned on me like the opening of last week we were all so tired right like oh three weeks in a row and now we're just raring to go yeah no i agree i mean honestly i've just been busy doing my own little world but yeah i'm ready to go with some racing obviously uh 30 000 win at boone ten thousand to win the first night at mississippi thunder and 20k to win the second night i mean that's that just gets me excited i mean the racing at boone's gonna be good the racing at mississippi thunder is gonna be good this weekend's gonna be good we're just in for a good three week stretch of racing that leads us into the summer and by the time you know it dirt cars summer nationals is going to be here it's 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 the the busiest part of the racing season is coming up and that's what gets me excited the most let me ask you something with um madden running third in points does he do well in that neck of the woods you know, you look at Madden, he's always been good at Farmer City. You look at his results there. He's always been on the podium. He's always been very consistent there. Um, he's just good in those slick tracks. I, I feel that Madden's good in the slick, and you're going to go to Boone. That place is going to be nice and slick from top to bottom. You go to Mississippi Thunder, that place is going to be nice, slick, top to bottom. I think Madden is one of the best drivers in the slick. Because uh, when it comes down to the slick, we all know it's all driver talent. Chris Madden is one of the best drivers out there that I think is underrated. And I think Madden may be... Gets the point lead when all these three weeks are uh, done. I, I can for sure see it happening. I think that's bold, and I'm not going to take anything away from Chris Madden by saying that. I just, you know, I think with these next few weeks, 60 points is still a lot of points. And realistically, if you take away, for example, the DNF from Friday night at Bristol and Strickler, Strickler's still the point leader right now. That's really where that big yeah. jump came out. Yeah. It was, so it might, it might take that for that to happen. It's definitely not out of the realm of possibility, yeah. but I do see Madden possibly closing that gap. Well, week. don't sleep on Tyler Bruning. Remember, his home track is Mississippi Thunder Speedway, and obviously Boone not too far away from there. So can Tyler Bruning have the point lead? Now I'll ask you guys that. He might. I just pulled the points up here to look at him. I mean, from Chris Madden back to Dennis Erb is uh, what? 16, 16 points. 30 points from Madden to Erb. Oh, to Ricky Wise. Sorry, I took my glasses off. <laughs> I mean, we saw the gap that, that Shepard made up. I mean, I just think it's going to be a really tight year. I, I talked to Kyle the other day when he got his chassis back, and um, he's raring to go, and I think he's in a really great state of mind, too. And I could see him taking the lead again. So Yeah, you just never know. Uh, it's just a, a different region that we're hitting in. Obviously, we've been in the South all, all winter long in the warmer months, and now we're expanding in the Midwest. Farmer City, we saw two brand new winners with the series. Do we see brand new winners when we go to Boone and, and Mississippi Thunder? I don't know. I just feel uh, one thing I can guarantee you right now, it's going to be good racing. I mean, second to none on those weekends for sure. And if you're those guys, again, going back to the point battle, one thing you got to remember, you can't let Brandon Shepard get on a hot streak. Now, I, I know that's easier said than done, but you know once he gets one, it's like anything the dominoes are going to start falling for the number one team. If you cannot let them get on that streak, it's going to keep the point battle together. If you let them get on that streak, goodbye, it's game over. Agreed. Once Shepard gets rhythm and life, it's hard to stop that team. And obviously, Mikey, put your press release out, which race fans, by the way, you can visit at uh, worldofoutlaws.com. Very good reads there. Uh, you talked about Shepard's uh, struggling start to the season. It, it's it's an odd start. This is the longest he's ever gone without a victory on tour, an official victory. I will, will say that reminder. Cherokee does not count as an official event because of the split field. Just want to remind everybody of that. But he has been relatively consistent lately, except for that 13th place finish at Bristol. If you take that out, three out of his last four races were third, third, and fifth. So he he's still racking up those consistent finishes where really realistically Strickler hasn't. Madden's been doing the same thing with the consistent finishes. Just he's got, he's kind of got a, he's down two races essentially from the beginning of the season. So he's got to play the more of the catch up game. And that's why when you really look at it, Madden's probably been the most impressive driver all year. You know, what we're not mentioning is, is the legend Scott Bloomquist is the winningest driver at first time visits to tracks for, for his first visit to a tracks. He's has, has the highest winning percentage of anybody. So there's also Bloomquist there in the mix. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of an equalizer when you go into a weekend and drivers don't have notes on it. We, I, I always, like to put, plead my case, case if you're a driver that is west of the Mississippi River, like Kay Dillard, like Ricky Weiss, like Chase Younghands, like Tyler Bruning, and you go run the Outlaw Series, you're already at a disadvantage because you don't race these tracks. You're used to racing, you know, in Kansas and in, in uh, Missouri and and you know all these other tracks, Oklahoma and Texas, that you don't really get to go to these southern tracks and you don't get to go to these tracks in eastern Tennessee and, and Kentucky and Ohio. So you're already a disadvantage there. So when you go into a weekend like this, you really want to keep an eye on a guy like Cade Dillard, who's been good this year, a guy like Ricky Weiss, who's been struggling with a sniper, but is kind of coming back. Guys like that, 
it's an equalizer because Shepard dominates because obviously the rocket house car, they have a thick, they have a library of notes, you know, when they enter Charlotte, when they enter Volusia, you know what I mean? And a weekend like this, it's, it could be anybody's game. It's more of an equalizer when everybody has very thin notes. And you guys talk about Shepard, uh, obviously finishing races, having to do that. I think he just really needs to start getting better starts. You, l- you look at last chance showdowns. Brandon Shepard really never finds himself in a last chance showdown. Guys, he's won two last chance showdowns this year and not one feature. I mean, he just needs to get his qualifying better. He knows that. Uh, and just things like that. Dryden heat race victories. I mean, how many does Shepard have? I mean, you know what I mean? You have to get in that all important redraw. Exactly. And that's the point I was going to bring up. It's kind of crazy to believe. I posted this the other day. Uh, 30 drivers have won a Dryden heat race this year. Madden has the most with four. Brandon Shepard has zero. That is the stat that I think is the hardest to believe. But but it's again, you get into that redraw, especially at a track that you don't have a lot of notes on. It could be key because you don't know how racy that's going to be if somebody can go from 15th to first. You know, I mean, with him running all the last chance races too, I mean, he's run more laps at this time than he normally has. Like That's an extra 10, 15 laps on a race weekend that he normally, they're back there fluffing and buffing, getting ready to hit the track. Yeah, and also interesting fact, Brandon Shepard has three hard charger awards and he's just doing more work than he needs to. I mean, you know what I mean? Like he's had to come up through the field all the time. If he just starts up front, he's going to stay there. So these guys better start taking advantage of, of Shepard's struggles right now because once Shepard gets hot, oh man, I think he just got to start writing the check. I mean, Ricky Weiss too, two hard chargers. Uh, I mean, those guys just need to start starting better and I, I believe they'll stay in the front and do good in points. He had a second there at Bristol, and then he finished second this weekend in a, in a weekly show at Smoky Mountain. So I think that he's he's getting momentum. He's starting to get there. Race fans, that's going to do it for our news and notes here in this episode 10 of Stick Signals. But we want to remind you, Stick Signals is sponsored by Manscaped, the global leader in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels and is now available in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Australia, New Zealand, and many more locations. Uh, they have exclusive offer for you fans right now. Use code STICKSIGNALS21, that's STICKSIGNALS21, to get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Join the movement and the two other 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. And also grab your official merchandise of the World of Outlaws, Morton Building's Late Model Series at store.worldofoutlaws.com. If you can't join us in Kentucky and Ohio this weekend or Boone or Mississippi Thunder, don't forget, get that merch at store.worldofoutlaws.com. You'll find it all there. Well, on episode nine last week, we told you race fans, we were just super busy, obviously, with a rain out day at Bristol. Uh, we didn't have much uh, drivers on the episode as we wanted to. But this week, we got to catch up with Devin Moran on his first ever World of Outlaw win at Bristol Motor Speedway. Devin, congratulations, my friend. You pick up another outlaw victory, not to mention the second of the year. You won the Dirt Car Nationals and you come to Bristol. How does it feel to be a winner at Bristol Motor Speedway? Man, it's pretty amazing. Uh, it's been a week now and it still really hasn't sunk in that, like, at, that's Bristol Motor Speedway. You know, the NASCAR guys were racing there the, the week before and um, the crowd that was there and just the atmosphere of how big that place is. Uh, the only time I was there was when I was real little and didn't really remember it. So, so when we rolled down in there, it kind of kind of takes your breath away for how amazing that place is. And, and to come out of there with the sword and the big check, I made it even that much more special, you know? I, how cool is that trophy, by the way? Because you got the big gator and the small little gator, and now you get the swords. How cool is that? Yeah, I kind of like winning these special trophies, you know? Um, I won Fairbury, and that was a pretty cool deal with the dirt inside of it there in 18. And, and to win the gator, I thought was pretty awesome. But, but the sword's even, even cooler, you know? So... I'm, I'm going to get something set up to where it's hanging on the wall and everyone can see it for sure because that's one of, if not my, my favorite trophy I've ever won. So uh, definitely a special deal. Just be careful with that thing. Strickler's kid had it fall out of the scabbard and almost took his foot off. Hey, I'm telling you, that thing is way sharper than I was expecting. Like, I got it out and I started doing it. Like, you can definitely do some damage. So you're right. You, you have to be a little careful with it. Yeah, it's it's the real deal. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I think you're starting to create a trend, Devin. When there's cool trophies on the line, you're right there in victory lane. Well, that means I better be going to Cedar Lake then because their, their eagle up there is as cool as any trophy in the country. So, so you never know. I might be up there in New Richmond trying to win that 50000 here in August. There you go. Devin, you passed your dad for more wins in the Outlaws. Obviously, your dad being the million-dollar man. How cool was that? Uh, did you guys talk about that after at all? Yeah, we did, but... Uh, I, I was kind of talking a little crap for a little while, but then he, he has a pretty valid point. 
Um, he never ran the World of Outlaws full-time. I've ran it two years full-time. Um, so that'd be like me saying that he's got more stars victories than me for the simple fact that he just hasn't ran a ton of World of Outlaw races. So it's definitely cool, but I, I couldn't remember him too much because he has a pretty good valid point. Um, but at the end of the day, to surpass him in some kind of stat, um, it's definitely hard to do. So uh, definitely, definitely a cool cool deal and hopefully hopefully i get a lot more in time coming that's awesome well mick if you've got nothing anything else uh devin we just wanted to get you on here on stick signals congratulate you on your victory obviously you're a former world of all law rookie of the year congratulations my friend and uh, by any chance when's the next time we're going to see the nine uh pull it up at a world of all law event to be honest i have no idea um hopefully sooner than later i love coming and race with you guys um obviously like i said i ran with the world of Outlaws for two years there and, and had a blast so uh I think Casey Schumann and, and all you guys, Ruben, and everyone's doing a fantastic job over there. So, so hopefully I get to come over before long. But uh, this Thai Corp Racing Longhorn is super busy. And, and when we get the chance, we'll definitely be there. Oh, man. Devin Moran, obviously former Rookie of the Year. I, I really hope we get him back on tour one day. He's such a fun, upbeat type guy. Mick, he may be coming for that Eagle Trophy in, in <laughs> USA Nationals. Yeah, I hope so, man. That'd be fun to have him out there. It's a that's a fun time anyway. I hope I hope to make that trick this year. Yeah, that'd be very good. All right. Well, by the way, Cedar Lake Speedway is, man, electric. I love that place. Anyway, uh, that's on our schedule. Visit worldofoutlaws.com to see our schedule. Race fans hope to see you there or watch it on Dirt Vision, presented by Dryden. Either way, uh, we wanted to get Bristol behind our back, and obviously this episode is uh, setting us up for this fun weekend at Richmond and Brush Creek. And uh, we wanted to talk to Kyle Strickler after the very uh, roller coaster type weekend he had at Bristol. Kyle, leaving Bristol, you did really well in the modifieds, but after a rough night with a late model, uh, give us give us your emotions. I feel like they were kind of mixed because you're happy with the mod, but weren't so pleased in the late model, although you ended up on a good note last night. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so much of this um, racing in general or, you know, especially late model racing is momentum. Um, and we uh, we took a new car there and, and it was extremely fast right out of the gate and uh, we're on the pole by three tenths and um you know won the heat race by a mile and things were looking up and all we had to do is just maybe eat another cheeseburger or two and and be able to make weight but um after we were light at the scales you get back in in the back and you're mired in traffic and dirty air and um i was in conservation mode there and it's uh, it's almost like gambling when it's when you think it's hit rock bottom, uh, it still has a ways to go. And uh, who would ever thought that Jimmy Owens, the leader's tire, would have fell off and and sent me for a ride and destroyed a brand new race car. And you know, then that um, fired up a lot of you know people inside the, the team, and you start to um, you know, like I said, it keep it's it was a it started out as a little pebble, and before it, when it stopped snowballing, it was uh, uh, it was like a huge avalanche when we finally got got out of the Bristol. But um, it's you know just part of it. You got to take the good with the bad, and and uh, you know we we went out of there with a destroyed race car, brand new, and my first ever flip, and. Um, didn't know who's going to work on, still don't know who's going to work on the car and crew and uh, any of that stuff. So it was definitely refreshing to be able to get into the modified and and, and have the success when I could just kind of put the late mile stuff um, out of my head and, and jump in there, have fun. Seemed like you you were running about the same lap times as Owens when you were there. Seemed like he, he got by you and you were kind of keeping pace to be the, the first car lap down and then he lost the wheel. I, I've never seen... The flip was almost in slow motion. Mm -hmm. Like it looked violent, but it was so, so slow and lumber. What was it like to be in the car? Um, that was my first ever flip, like I said. And um, I didn't even know what had happened. It was like somebody let, you know, lit a bomb off underneath the car. Um, I seen Jimmy slowing down. And at Bristol, like it's so much momentum and you don't want to break your momentum and you have to get runs on people. And um, I was just riding. And then when Jimmy got by me, um, I could actually pass them back if I if I wanted to, and uh, then he started slowing down uh, because it was vi vibrating so bad. And by the time I realized that he was trying to get the pit road, I jacked the car sideways, and the tire came off. I, there's a picture where the tire came off sideways. Um, it didn't just fall off and then start rolling because if it would have did that, um, it it would have never went underneath the car. It would have probably bounced over top of my car, but it came off sideways. And it hit it just perfect that it rolled underneath of the car. 
And I have the skid plate for my car. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. You can read a mirror uh, version of Hoosier that when it flipped, the white paint from the sidewall of, of uh, Jimmy's tire, wow. it stamped my skid plate. And you can physically read it, read Hoosier um, in the skid plate. So that one's going to be hanging in the shop. Um, but once it, it, that all happened so fast. But then when I was in the air, it felt like it took a lifetime to land. Like I, I remember crossing my arms and, and, and like, okay, I, I don't know where I'm going to land and, and you know, what is going to happen. And it took forever. Like I felt like I was flying and I didn't know, like, I'm like, is this thing ever going to land? And then finally when it did, did hit, it wasn't a hard hit at all. Um, it kind of just spun around and then I came to a stop and, um, if it wasn't for it, landed on the left rear and then drove the uh, the rear end, broke the shock mount and drove the rear end up and, and kinked the left rear uh, over rail. Um, the rest of the car really wasn't that bad. I mean, they called me at, at Longhorn. It's all fixed up and ready to go. Um, so I'm going to pick it up tomorrow and, and get it back together. So it's just basically a little damage to the rear clip then? Yeah, they put a new rear clip on it and they fixed uh, a few things in the front uh, that were off a little bit just so it'll, it'll be 100%. Uh, a new car again. Right. So so that was the new car. And the good news is it's going to be repaired. So that car is sell salvageable. Uh, Kyle, you touched on, you don't know who's going to work on that car. What's happening team-wise here? Is Strickler still with the Outlaws? Uh, I mean, it's unraveling daily. <laughs> so um, right now it's just uh, it's me, myself, and I. Um, you know, Vinny's, Vinny's off doing Vinny's personal things and um, – and uh, Cody, my entire guy that came to fill in, uh, Cody Klein, uh, you know, he came to fill in and he added, he was supposed to be here for three weeks and he was here for, I think he said three, three, three and a half months. So um, he went back to Pennsylvania to, uh, to go back to doing what he was doing. And um, I don't know who we're going to get, but we're just going to get the car back together and um, work on it myself and, and. Uh, hopefully we'll have everything ready to go for uh, for the Allo races coming up. You know, and even even with that rough weekend, I mean, you're still right there in the, the hunt for points. I mean, we saw how many points could be made up in a race. It could be quick. And then with you finishing, I think, 13th and 14th, you and Shep the other day. I mean, you're right there. Just mm -hmm. It's a tough deal to try to keep these things on the road. Yeah, absolutely. It's... Uh, the racing's the easy part, yeah. you know. It's the uh, it's all the other stuff that goes on behind the scenes. It's like I've always had a ton of volunteer help to to help me and and no money, you know. And now I feel like we got, you know, a decent amount of funding um, and no help. And these late models are a hundred times the work that the modified stuff was. So it's very hard to and it's damn right and you know impossible to run a, a tour working out of a you know mom and pop shop, but uh, you know one car garage like I've done for so long and um I said there's so much work so we're currently um looking for for the right guys to to come help us get through the through the season and um see where things go and I know good things will come and I know good things will, will happen uh for me we just gotta keep digging and um go with the flow I guess so let's clear it up real quick Kyle are you still with the team or are you going on your own stuff now no, I mean, as far as I know, I'm still uh, I'm still driving for uh, PCC Motorsports, and uh, um, you know, there he, you know, he had a a big blow up on uh, Friday night, whenever it was that we flipped, um, and he had a lot of he was very stressed out with with stuff he had going on at work, and and to get there, and then you got a brand new race car, and um, you know, when you he, he puts a lot of heart and soul into it and he, he spent a lot of money to build that brand new car and then you go out there and it's as fast as it is and then whatever the circumstances were whatever he thought initially uh, the end was, result was a, a junked brand new race car so um, people react to stuff and you know and, and handle stuff differently and uh, he was obviously really upset after Friday night but then Saturday we sat down and had a long talk and and um you know, are, are moving forward together and trying to um, figure out what's uh, what's the best way to go and and who needs to be involved with the team and who doesn't need to be involved. So, uh, as far as I'm, as far as I know, as far as um, you know, I've been told up to this point, I'm I'm still driving for for him, and um, we're just trying to get all of our ducks in a row and and find some good people to go on the road with us. If uh, somebody's listening to this and and 
you know would like to apply how can they get a hold of you uh, on all of our social media or they can uh, they can email me um at uh, Kyle Strickland Motorsports at gmail.com that's the you know the the team email or they can contact me on on social media um you know it's uh the road life is really really tough but there's I know there's some guys out there that would uh, that would love to do it and uh, like I said, like you, like you said, we're we're still second in points, and there's a lot of money on the line, and um, this is what I've wanted to do my whole entire life. So there's there's no chance of me giving up now. I, I'm tempted. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> I, I mean, I like this office gig too, but man, I miss turning wrenches. Well, that's one thing. I mean, Kyle, you're in in the outlaw points right now, and you look at the point standings. You're only 20 points behind Shepard. Uh, you have the talent. It's just I just feel so bad because like you guys were established well. You're right out. You were the only repeat winner uh, since before Moran won this whole season. Uh, just. I kind of feel like things are tumbling down there team-wise, but you guys still got it going, and I think there's still life at the end of the tunnel. You could possibly still win this championship. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, when when everything's rolling good and um, and the mental end of this championship deal is is um, you know is so important, and I honestly think that's where the the Rocket One team beats everybody. Is you know, obviously Brandon Shepard's an awesome driver, um, but it's it's so much of the team. Um, and everybody knows their job and those guys have been there forever and they just don't make the mistakes that, uh, um, you know, that the other teams to make that are new to this, you know, it's, it's just, it's, I knew we were up against a huge wall with trying to, um, trying to, to run the whole points deal, but it just takes one little uh, thing to happen or one guy to, to leave and, uh, things can start snowballing and, we'll, we'll get back on track. It's just a matter of how long it'll take. I, I think you will. And, and you're, we're coming up to, I mean, Bristol's an anomaly, right? Like everyone's so excited to go there, but it's an anomaly. And we know that it's like you said, it's the kind of place where you start to have a bad day. The whole weekend is just shot. I've been there before, been there, done that. We'll start to get into more normal short tracks. And I think uh, the performance will come back just so much. Plus you were doing double duty. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it was that the modified helped me more than it hurt me. Um, going into the, going into the weekend there at Bristol and like I was, and you're just as excited, if not more excited, than everybody, you know, there because I, I just love those racetracks and I love performing on a, on a big stage. And um, you know, I was mentally prepared, and we went there, and everything was going great, just until that one moment, and um, was being light. But you know, the modified definitely definitely helped me being able to just jump in that. And, and but most of the time, it does does hurt because you're you know, there's twice the work and and all that stuff there. So. Um, I'm I'm excited to go to Boone because I think I'll have a lot of help out there and I'll have a lot of fans out there. Um, and for me on a personal level, I think that it'll be really good for me to kind of get me back on track and kind of be the the person that I want to be, the fun-loving, happy-go-lucky type of guy that I want to be, not just be beat down by the big-time late model racing world. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going to lie. Kyle, I told you, and I felt like I jinxed you. I went up to Kyle during Farmer City. I think it was Farmer City, and I told him. I was like, Kyle, listen, one thing I love about you, you're upgoing, you're upbeat, you're positive. And then it kind of tumbled down at Farmer City. Like, you came and drew, and you're like, oh, God, that was a crappy draw. And I was like, what? Kyle saying that? Like, I, I, I like you know, like, you were so, I, I get it. You know, the whole engine thing or whatever happened there at Farmer City, and then the whole bristle thing. Like, I get it. It lays on you. But how does Kyle leave right now? For, after doing this interview and get prepared for Brush Creek, are you the only one working on the car? Like, w like what's what's happening right now with with Kyle Strickler? Um, you know the 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 good thing is is that we we won ten thousand with the modified, so at least I'm not down down and out and and completely broke. We had some money to put in the bank, uh, and I have a lot of people behind the scenes that uh, that come over to the shop and they can't travel on the road, but they have my back and they've been there and been with my program forever. Um, you know, we got Jerry Kelly, um, uh, Kenny Payton, you know, then Austin Bloom, who works for Longhorn by Low and Bro. He was my longtime uh, modified crew chief. Um, plus, we have some guys that are around the shop. Um, you know, Nopi Nick that, that that works at the engine shop and then comes over and hangs out. And uh, Ryan Flores, like the guys that, that have been there that run, you know, run stuff out of my shop or, or work on their stuff out of my shop. Um They'll be there to help me out. Steve Dietrich would be another one that that's going to come over and help me. He was actually at Bristol and was helping me a, a ton. Um, 
you know, I have my my long term supporters that I call and and talk to. Um, you know, Charlie Donaldson was my first sponsor when I moved down to North Carolina, and he's still involved in this program. And and uh, uh, G Man with uh, G Style Transport, he's longtime sponsor. So these are the guys that I I talk to to get me mentally prepared, and and I know have got my back. And um, you know, and Craig's Craig and Shannon Sims are still on board. So. Um, you know they haven't uh, they haven't cut the checkbook off yet, so we can get the stuff we need to go racing and and uh, have my core group of of guys that can um, that can come help me get this thing bolted together and and the backup car is still ready to go too. So um, it's sitting there ready to go to to Brush Creek. So just gotta get this new car back together and and uh, get things rolling. And and once they turn the corner, it, it can it can go up as easy as it went down. And, and plus, you have this off weekend. I mean, we haven't had an off weekend in three weeks. You know what I mean? It's been a grind. So I, I have no doubt, Kyle, that it sounds like you're getting a lot of support and help in the shop. So you'll get everything done in this whole week. Go to Brush Creek. Maybe have, you know, very few hands work helping you at the track. But I think uh, you'll bounce right back. Yeah, and I think another thing is I was I was so scared to lose the point lead that it was affecting my performance. So now I'm probably going to show the racetrack and drive like I was in Florida and I'd be on the attack instead of on the defense and everything happens so fast out there. And, you know, even I was so beat down and in that B main, when me and B Shep started next to each other, it's like, I was, I was afraid of doing something to make myself look stupid or to like run inside of B Shep on a restart. And, and and then like that just add to it. So like all this stuff was going through my head and when I'm on my game, none of that stuff is going through my head. I'm out there to win, and no matter what, and if people get pissed off, the hell with them. You know, I'm here to win races and and perform at the highest level. Um, you know, and uh, I think we need to get back to that. I like that, and. I mean, a lot of people don't realize it's more than just driving a race car. So many things going through your head. And uh, Mick, I talked to Kyle after the race <laughs> at Bristol when everyone was filing out. And I told Kyle, Kyle, what was going through your head? when Because he was the only one really making that outside groove work. I was like, what was, what was going through your head? You're catching Bishop. You passed this car. That's two points. That's two points. He was like mm-hmm. making the calculations in his head yeah. while he's reeling at Brandon Shepard. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, too. They, the uh, Hats off to the, to the track crew. I mean, it was extremely sketchy to start the feature especially being in the back there where everybody was trying to shortcut the straightaway so they could see it was so dusty but once the track cleaned off and that top came in man it was a blast to drive the drive the late model that close to the fence and um at that point i was i was a uh, full bore giving her all she had and um i think that if the race would have been the scheduled distance we would have uh, we would have definitely been a few spots up but you know, we knew what the laps were going into the race, so that's um, that's just part of it. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting. We all thought, no, no, a day race, but then, man, that was probably the best racing Bristol had. It was, it was, and and uh, it just took a little bit for everybody to go up there because it, it looked like it was going to lock down rubber on the bottom, and then you know a bunch of guys jumped up there early um, and drove up through there. I think Ricky Thornton and John Davenport both drove from the back right up through there, um, and. Uh, I wish I would have went a little sooner, uh, but again, I was I was in conserve mode in the beginning. It was like just don't wreck, and then of course the hood pin fell out of the hood, and then my dash cover blew up and was on the rock guard. I couldn't see where I was going, so we had a pit for that. And um, once I realized that we were getting close enough to the end that it was go time, then I really started blasting the top. And um, I had uh, I had Scott Bloomquist's quarter panels beat off it because he kept on coming up in front of me, and I'd <laughs> fold his quarter panel in every lap just about. But uh, um, it was a lot of fun, just uh, you know, from an actual enjoyment part of driving. Uh, I had a I had a blast um, running the late model there in the last five ten laps or whatever it was. Yeah. Plus, you secured but by far the winningest modified driver at Bristol. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I think I could have won uh, Friday night as well if. Uh, it was just one of them things where the bad kept kept getting worse. You know, we got going there, and then they, um, the the Nick Allen, which is actually a Longhorn Lowenbro teammate, he couldn't get going, um, and so much was momentum, he just didn't get going on the start. And I tried to turn down the hill so I could, you know, not lose all those spots. And uh, Chris Arnold didn't know I was there and came up across my nose and um, broke my spindle and then tore their guys' stuff up too. But um, if uh, I think if we would have got going on that first lap without wrecking, um, I probably would have won one Friday night as well. Well, Kyle, you know how to put yourself in good position. You know the recipe to success with the Outlaws. You qualify well, 
You win your dry dean heat race, you're in the redraw. If you're in the redraw, you're in for a good night. So uh, we have no doubt that you're going to bounce back. We're only 10 races into the season. Uh, good luck the rest of the way, my friend. We will see you at Richmond. Yeah, and I'll probably go across the scales before the before the <laughs> night as well now. <laughs> how, how light were you? I was four pounds light. Yeah. So Half gallon oh, of fuel or something. Yeah, and it, it's just one of them things. You have new people coming and going and new car and uh, the cars are... You know, this car was a little bit lighter than the other one, and um, we added fuel to, you know, to try to make up for what we thought we were we would be short in um, for the heat race, and um, just didn't put enough on there. And uh, obviously, if we could go back, we would have put you know twenty, thirty extra pounds on there because it, it, that definitely wasn't the difference. It was just a, you know, a, a mistake that. Um, when you have different people coming and going, you just mistake that happens. It's uh, it is what it is. And I'm gonna call that a rookie mistake, Kyle. Like mm-hmm. We 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 got to remember you're a rookie of the year contender, <laughs> and we're talking about championship. Like just let that sink <laughs> in. You're yeah, and I appreciate that. And and I've had a lot a lot of people, a lot of drivers, and um, you know, I was on the phone with Bloomquest this morning, and Kyle Bronson called me, and uh, just getting advice from people that. Um, that I, you know, I like talking to and helps me, you know, learn this stuff. Or, or I'm such a competitor that, um, you know, I want to do as the best we possibly can do, um, whether we're a rookie or not. But it's, uh, you know, sometimes you have to sit back and realize how well it is going uh, overall. Kyle's just one of those guys that has like a personality. You just can't beat him down, right? Like he just. He doesn't stop. Um, actually, was over at his shop the other day setting a time-lapse camera up, which is going to be something kind of cool coming out. Um, and, I mean, he had probably the shittiest weekend that you could possibly have, except that he won. But, he, I mean, he doesn't let any of that beat him down. He's just putting that car back together, head down, going to go do some more racing. And it's what he loves to do. So That is pretty cool. And, yeah, Kyle's one of the best uh, personalities you can meet in the pit area for sure. And, you know, they'll bounce back. Obviously, we hope he gets some help on the road. He has help at the shop, which is good. Just hopefully he gets a bounce back, bouncing back here on the road. Well, Mick, we uh, promised everyone tuning in, all our great fans for tuning in, which, by the way, thank you so much again for uh, supporting Stick Signals that we were going to have Daryl Lanigan here in this episode. Well, we uh, were so close to getting Lanigan, then uh, some things popped up. So Lennigan couldn't join us on this episode. So instead, we're going to talk to the World of Outlaws, Morton Buildings Late Model Series Safety Director, Tyler Bachman. World Racing Group has partnered with ESI Equipment and the International Council of Motorsports Safety to train local short track officials in regards to motorsports rescue. How did you guys come up with that idea, Tyler? Uh, Well, actually, um, I was at uh, PRI would have been in 2019 and um, a couple of guys stopped in at our booth and, and was telling us about the class. And, and um, so I, they, they do this class actually um, on, on, it was the Friday of PRI. And, and so I went down and <clears throat> I went to this, what they were doing. And it interests me because uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a firefighter myself. So, and, um, and so I went down and, and I was looking at it and looking at everything that they were doing. And I'm like, wow, this is, um, this is a pretty, in depth and, and they were, you know, showing so many different things that they were doing. And I'm like, I feel like we need to bring this, uh, to world racing group for at least our staff. And, um, so we, we brought it to our, to all of our officials and, um, we, we did a class and, um, um, Turns out then, as, as it went on, we were talking, and um, I was sitting there talking to some of, a couple of our series directors and and um, some of the officials, and we're like, you know, we need to we need to try to do this a little bit more uh, than just our staff. Maybe maybe go into some uh, of the racetracks uh, that we go to and try to train their staff. Now, you you mentioned that you're a firefighter. What sort of lessons do you bring from that side of the world to the racetrack? Um, yeah. You know, you got uh, anything from, you know, you still got to, you still use the rescue tools pretty much the same way, but, uh, um, you know, um, I don't know. Uh, It's more... um, uh, you know, on the medical side of things, I, I mean, I was an EMT back in the day. I'm actually no longer, but, um, you know, you're, you're still, the injuries are still the same. Uh, uh, there's um, uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of, interesting things the tough part is that this and it's different is is you know the the seats of the race cars are 
full containment. Um, uh, you know, the, and that's a great thing for safety, but it's also hard to get somebody out of a car. Uh, on, in, on the road, um, we just pop a door and we get somebody out. Um, uh, right, you know, in a race car, um, there, you don't know, so pop a door. They don't have those. So uh, there's just a lot of different things. Um, help helping me wise, I would probably say, uh, you know, just the, the injuries type of injuries. You know, if somebody just took a wild ride, you want to make sure for back injuries, which is no different uh, than than on the highways, local highways, and fire suppression. Um, you know, obviously you. You want to put the fire out, and uh, technically, uh, the way you're putting a, um, a car fire out in the road is pretty close to how you're putting a car fire out uh, or a race car fire out. You know, except you, most of the time when you have a fire on the road, you got a person that's usually out of it. Um, most of the time, we have a fire; the driver's in it. Yeah, that's a very unique situation, and, and of course, we have um, Fire Aid, which is a good partner of ours that has a special product to to put fires out at the racetrack. Yeah, we uh, we use. Um, uh, fire aid, which is actually a fire bowl is a product. I actually carry uh, an enforcer 10, uh, which is, it's a cast system. Uh, it's a 10 gallon, um, portable firefighting system. Um, it, uh, utilizes the, um, the high energy foam compressed air system. Um, like I said, like I said, it's a, um, it's a cast system. It's, it's something you'll pretty much see on a regular fire truck these days, except, uh, they've, made it down to I can put it on a four-wheeler. You talk about your four-wheeler, Tyler. What tools and stuff do you carry in your four-wheeler on race nights and race days? Um, well, um, I have the Enforcer 10, um, like I said, which is, um, um, you know, uh, pretty much for a little bigger fires. I also have a, an extinguisher just sometimes to hit something out real quick, um, which which is also um, has fire aid. And uh, then I also carry a, a, a med board, which is a new uh, a new board that we got for all the series um, last year. Each series carries it. Um, it's a it's like a carbon fiber construction. Um, uh, it's easy it's easy to use. Getting tight little. Um, spots, especially like with the full containment seats, like I've said, obviously the cockpits are not big. A lot of times when race cars wreck, you know, you got sheet metal here and there um, that you need to work around. Um, and um, it's, uh, it's, uh, we used to have an older board that was, was, um, it was sort of designed off of, it was called shoehorn. And um, we, uh, we, <coughs> It was just, it was a great product, but it was, it was a little flimsy. It was made of aluminum. Well, this, this, um, the carbon fiber is so much easier to work with. You can pull it up off of a car and it doesn't bend and it doesn't, um, you know, hurt the, hurt the driver any more than they are already. And Tyler, I know you do a lot of pre-race uh, inspection. W- uh, explain to the fans, because all these are behind the scenes stuff. We know what you do, but what do you do? You call uh, the, all the drivers to scales and tech when Ken does that, but you also check safety stuff. What are you checking on these drivers? Yeah, I leave, uh, I leave all the technical stuff to Kenny because there's a lot of stuff that's over my head, but uh, I check, um, stuff when it comes to for seat belts um making sure the the seat is full containment seat um 39.2 uh which is an sfi rating um and uh, make sure they have a fire bottle uh, automatic fire suppression system uh which we require three nozzles um uh, automatic and then um uh, we also have uh, the fuel cells have to be uh, SFI certified, which they need to have a bladder in them. And um, there's just there's a lot of little things to look at, you know, making sure that uh, the seatbelts might be in great shape. But if they're if they're mounted, you know, that has a, you know, a piece of sheet metal rubbing against them, that, that's going to damage them. You know, that those are things like that you got to look at. too. I wanted to touch on the. Uh, on the seatbelts real quick. I just want to touch on the seatbelts real quick, Tyler. Uh, uh, now. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's like an expiration date. Or you guys set an expiration date of how old they can be? Uh, they, there's actually um, now it's an expiration date. Uh, so it's every two years. And uh, the seatbelt manufacturers actually print on it now um, on the SFI um, tag of uh, exactly when they're um, out of date. So um, but we, it's always two years. I used to, used to always say on there that um, had to be. Um, or when it was manufactured, now it tells you when when it's expired, and that that helps us as uh, safety people uh, a lot. 
Yeah, that, it's helpful for guys that set up cars too because the old way you had to do math and we're already doing enough math. Um, the ESI and I, uh, ICMS, they also work with like IMSA and IRL and, and things like that. Have they brought sort of lessons over from those type of racing over to short track racing? Uh, yeah, they. Uh, we actually, we have, um, there's an annual conference every year that um, that's everything from um, uh, uh you know, motorsports science, you know, uh, medical staff, uh, big education, a lot of educational things. So um, it's, it's everything, uh, everybody's there. So like the people that, you know, in Formula One, NASCAR, um, Dirt's racing, we're all in the same um, rooms. We're all sitting there talking. Um, uh, this year we were actually online, but, uh, um, you know, in zoom calls and stuff, but it was, it was, it's, you learn what they're doing and you take it in to what we're doing. You know, obviously they're doing things in a bigger, um, bigger picture than we're doing, but, um, you do, you learn so much from things they're doing and you're like, okay, well, that's a good idea. But, um, we're, we're not obviously that big and we're not, we're not, we don't have the amount of resources that they do, but maybe, uh, maybe, you know, they do a, a, a pre-check and they have people looking at all the cars and going over stuff. Maybe we just have one of our fire people sit in a car and realize what it's like to be in a car, um, little things like that. Um, but they've, uh, um, they've, they've really, um, we all talk now. So that, that's really big. Um, we're, we've, uh, yeah, we we talk. We're, we're great to, um, to get to know what they're doing and what we're doing. A lot of people don't realize about the short tracks. Uh, I feel like they get left out a lot, and this is where most of the this is where most of the injuries happen down here. Sure, and it's where most of the racing happens is on short tracks. And um, my father was a or was a fire chief, and so I grew up around the fire service. And I just I know how that profession trades information. It's a constant flow of information. I think it's really cool to see that come to short track racing to, you know, when you go to your your local track on Friday night, Saturday night, those are mostly volunteers that are staffing the ambulance and the fire trucks there and stuff like that. And they don't necessarily have that much training. So to, to bring, let me rephrase that, they don't necessarily have that much training in regards to motorsports. So bringing that to them is, is just, uh, it's good for everybody, you know? And the biggest thing that came out of the uh, ICMS is is they have the racetrack safety program, which is pretty much um, you're if you're an F1 or you're in NASCAR or you're in USAC racing or the World of Outlaw sprints or Big Block Modified, you're where they're training everybody. So we're you know you get the same amount of care. Uh, John Evans actually quoted I think in the in the uh, the press release we put out was you know why should it be any different of if you're in a um, an F1 car or a, or a dirt street stock at your local track you know you you should be getting the same care and that's what uh, they've sort of brought everybody uh, to trying to do the same procedures and things like that. Yeah, I, I really have been encouraged over the past few years of the the trickle down of safety. I mean, seeing our guys um, in full containments seats that was something you never saw at short tracks when I was younger. You know, it, it was just guys would just buy a plastic seat out of jegs and throw it in and go racing. I agree with that. I, I look at the photos today, you know, back in 2011, 12, and, you know, they're running straight back seats and you're like, my gosh, we've went, uh, we've come a long way. Uh, for a while, it was, I think some of the drivers were a little bit irritated that we were making them spend some money. Uh, but I think, uh, I think their wives didn't mind spending that money. No. And, and I've worked with drivers that there's a certain amount of comfort. Once you can trust that equipment, once you, you know, when we went to carbon fiber seats, that was a huge thing. They were huge and they're bulky and they're heavy and they're pain in the ass compared to an aluminum seat and everybody hated them. But the first few times a driver would get in a couple of wrecks and, and feel like, oh, I'm really secure in here. I, I think it steps to the competition up. It gives them confidence in their equipment that they, you know, it was kind of sketchy back in the day. Well, and uh, it was actually, I think it's Chubb Frank. Years ago, he, he, he got hurt and hurt something with his neck and he wears a, uh, one of the, the Simpson hybrid pros and, um, it goes around you, know, but it hooks up to your helmet, just like all the Hans device would. And, um, he raced with it he wasn't a real big fan of it at first, but now he can't even race without it because if he races without it, he notices that the next day, um, you know, you, you notice that, 
you don't realize you're under that much stress of your neck and and keeping it and then been running with it and then now if you ever take it off for some reason you uh you can definitely tell so yeah your neck's neck's moving all over the place <laughs> so so people that you know they they complained about it uh now they there's a lot of them that they won't ever run without them just because it's i think it's changed uh um their mindset of the safety, but also um, they're used to it now. So it's it's different. If you told them to take it off, they still run. Yeah. So yeah, we have, we have a, a clip of, of Ricky Weiss at the the Bristol test, and and he was very cognizant. He sits down in the car and he realizes he doesn't have his Hans. Hey, somebody bring it to me. And, and that would have. There's a lot of guys that would have gone out and practiced five, six, seven years ago that would never thought to, you know, have someone bring their Hans over. So it's good to see those guys on come on board too. And probably at the, the Bristol race in 2001 or two, whenever they had the late models there, not one probably even knew what anything that was. So it's uh, it amazes me. Um, you know, I feel like we were very lucky in our sport um, uh, years ago because um, there could have been a lot worse injuries. And so I think we're very lucky. Sure. Hey, you know, we focus a lot on the, the cars and, and the uh, safety equipment and stuff, but it's also the tracks. Like catch fences have come a long ways. I know we, we, made a pretty sizable investment down in Volusia for a catch fence. And you're starting to see that at more places. So it's not just the cars, it's the facility as well. What's well, that? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's dead blows in the wall. You know, you, you don't want to, um, you don't want to have an opening that, that uh, a car can go in and, and, you know, hit head on into a wall. Uh, so like even at Volusia, we've you know, over the past, my gosh, uh, we probably worked there at least 10, 10, 11 years, really just making improvements. Uh, some things you may never noticed, uh, but we might've moved one wall out um, five, six feet, just so, you know, for that reason. You uh, look at tracks, Tyler, um, track features. Uh, obviously they've changed a lot. Catch fence is a safer barrier. Uh, why won't that kind of stuff work at a dirt track? Uh, what are some things that you guys look for as outlaws when you schedule races? Do you guys look at stuff like that or not? Uh, definitely. That's a, that's a big thing. Uh, safety barriers at a dirt track. I mean, I think it'd be a great thing, but obviously it comes down to money. Um, you know, a lot of these racetracks uh, that we go to just can't afford those. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but little things like uh, putting, um, water barrels, uh, you know, f filling barrels with water and putting them by a wall can, uh, at some locations, uh, I know at Lernerville Speedway, they've done that. Uh, they've actually put, um, some little safer barriers up, um, coming out of turn four there, um, the, that was, uh, you know, really needed. Um, but, um, little things like that, uh, we talk to them about, we may put some tires, you know, big tractor tires in front of something that gives a little bit, uh, you don't have to have the the NASCAR safety wall, but uh, we we do work with them. If there's something that's uh, very uh, questionable, uh, myself or Casey, uh, definitely that's uh, one thing we look at as soon as we get there. Uh, Tyler, what improvements do you think we need to do in dirt track racing to improve safety? Um, honestly, um, we we just talked about. It. I mean, I think the biggest thing we've we've got the race cars about as safe as you can get them right now. Um, uh, I think it's 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 the next steps to really start working. Um, with racetracks uh, to make sure um, they're safe, the catch fences are safe, uh, not just for the drivers, but for the fans. Um, and also, um, I, I think, uh, as we said also earlier, is is the to train the the racing, uh, the firefighting staff, uh, the you know the medical staff to get them trained uh, in the to be able to know what they're expecting uh, on a race car. Because uh, obviously there is a lot of differences. Tyler, so a lot of people may know you as the guy in the four-wheeler uh, watching on Dirt Vision or at the track, or people just may know you as uh, Tyler Bachman Enterprises. Talk a little bit about your background in motorsports. Uh, obviously, you're an official now. Uh, how'd you get started in, in racing? Uh, well, I actually, um, I, I raced go-karts for a while uh, growing up and um, always wanted to race a big car, but you know, my family, we just didn't have the, the funds to do it. But I was five years old uh, and uh, Lernerville Speedway was right down the road from my house. So I uh, I always pestered my dad to take me. And one night he uh, he did he did take me. And uh, needless to say, the last uh, event I ever missed a little bit after that was uh, when I went 2012 uh, to the Illini. That was the first night I ever missed Lernerville since then. Uh, so I was uh, always going to Lernerville. But um, 
I, uh, I was 12, 13 years old. I went and picked up garbage at Lernerville. Um, I was, uh, one of those people that just wanted a job. So I did whatever, um, worked there for a while. Um, doing that, uh, went and worked in the concession stand. Um, I got fired from the concession stand. <laughs> I got to ask, what was the reason? <laughs> I didn't eat the product. I, I, I was a person that I went and. Um, there was an opportunity to work there on a Friday night, which obviously that's what I was all to do. Well, the only option, you know, option they had was in the concession stand. Well, I didn't really care to, I, I didn't care what we were cooking. I wanted to go watch the race. So I, I stood out and watched the race a lot of times and then went back in and cooked uh, pizzas. But uh, anyway, it just didn't work out. So the night I got fired, I, I went down to the pit area after the race. It was the same night. And um one of the lineup guys did not show up and uh well i i uh um the guy goes uh do you know how to line up cars and i said yeah so i just got fired from the concession stand though he said well <laughs> he goes well he don't line up cars and i said oh, I, I can figure it out I mean, it can't be that hard so um i lined up cars for the next two two years and then uh then i went up um assistant flagman uh, for a couple of years and then I flagged and flagged here and there and, um, race director. And, um, I actually flagged it, uh, since flagged at Lernerville, flagged at Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania Motor Speedway on Saturdays and Blanket Hill Speedway in Catanning on Sundays. And then, um, till 2011, uh, end of 11. And then, um, the guy that did, you know, the run around the four wheeler, um, he, um, he think he was going off to college and he had some classes and he wasn't going to be able to make the last few races in 11. So at that time, the boss was Tim Chrisman and he called and said, do you want to, you know, come on board and do that? And I said, well, sure. Um, I'll go do a couple of them. And, um, so I did. And well, in 2012, they, they hired me full time. So I've, I've been, uh, January 1st, 2012, uh, was, was my first day and I'm still here. How, how did you get into to firefighting then? Was that a family thing or just an interest? So I, I, as I worked at Lernerville, but I also um, worked at a nursing home uh, in the kitchen. Uh, you know, it's just what you did. You, you needed the jobs and um, the nursing home that uh, where I was at uh, caught fire uh, and was um, and burnt down. Um, and I was there and a buddy of mine that worked with me at the time, um, there, his dad was a firefighter, uh, at, at the local fire company. And, um, so he said, after that was all done, um, I'm like, man, that's something I need to do. And, um, and he joined and I joined at the same time and, um, he's still fighting fire around home and, and, um, I still, uh, I'm still, uh, running calls since I moved to West Virginia. I still run into local fire company down here. That's neat. Tyler, if you could give any advice to teams and drivers, because I mean, there, there's a lot to safety. Like for example, in high school, I learned there's three different types of fire extinguishers, st stuff like that. If there's any advice you could give to future generations about safety, what would it um, be? Make sure uh, you mount your, your fire bottles, you know, get, make sure you have fire bottles. Um, make sure you have the right fuel cell. Um, you know, don't, you know, sometimes there's things that are more expensive and, um, there's a reason for it. Um, you know, and, um, keep just have your wife be in charge of that. Yeah, you you don't that, want a cheap fuel cell. You get upside down and get dumped fuel all over yourself. That's, that's happened. You know, yeah. don't, don't put your, um, I just saw a car this weekend, uh, or actually at Thursday where we I was at Tyler County and I saw a car and I, I looked at the guy and said, you're, your your batteries right beside your fuel so like there, there's you know that could, that could shot i mean you can have an issue so he had to change it but uh um yeah just make your wife in charge of the safety because you know if you got you got two three kids and uh they don't want to lose their dad so that's that's why i look at it Safety first all the time. And that's why we have professionals like Tyler Bachman, uh, you know, taking care of everything, making sure these drivers are safe, any track that we go to. Uh, so thank you, Tyler, for that and all our great officials. Well, race fans, that's really going to wrap things up here in episode 10. Some uh, housekeeping notes real quick. Dirt Vision this weekend, it is stacked. Friday night, obviously, we will be live on Dirt Vision from the Richmond Raceway in Kentucky. But the World of Outlaws, NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series and the Super Dirt Car Series are at Bristol Motor Speedway for the Bristol Throwdown. Uh, Williams 
Grove Speedway also live and Attica Raceway Park on Friday. Saturday, we are live from the Brush Creek Motorsports Complex. And then... The World of Outlaws, the NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series, along with the Super Dirt Car Series, get ready for their final night at the Bristol Motor Speedway and also Knoxville Raceway live on Saturday. So that's going to do it for us here on Episode 10 of Stick Signals. Make sure to subscribe on your uh, podcast platform so you get a notification every time we release a new podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Once again, this has been Episode 10 of Stick Signals. We'll see you this weekend, everybody. Yeah.